from strong faith to stained glass. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord to Israel and like Jesus being celebrated when he came into Jerusalem, so also did King David dance before the ark with all the people rejoicing with musical instruments as he brought the ark of the covenant into the city of David. The ark of the covenant was built at the command of God in Exodus at chapter 25. It was a wooden box that was measured 45 inches long and 27 inches wide and 27 inches high. This box was overlaid with pure gold and topped by a golden grate called the mercy seat where two golden cherubim faced each other inside this box was a golden pot of manna that did not spoil Aaron's rod that budded flowers and the two tablets of the law that were given to Moses at Mount Sinai the Ark of the Covenant was where God promised to meet his people. And it was here that blood was sprinkled on the Day of Atonement. The Shekinah cloud that was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night rested on the Ark as the glory of God and their wilderness journeys, always when God wanted to speak to them, he showed up between the cherubim in the form of the Shekinah cloud. Brothers and sisters, the Ark of the Covenant bespeaks the dangerous and crucial presence of Yahweh in Israel and his solidarity with his people. Moreover, the ark significantly referred to the raw presence, the raw power and covenantal implications of Yahweh's sovereignty. Now nearly 70 years had elapsed since the capture of the ark by the Philistines. They they, they took it, they, they stole it, and they set it in insolent triumph in the temple of the Philistine god Dagon, as if to proclaim that the Jehovah of Israel was the conquered prisoner of the god of the Philistines. But in the morning when they went in the temple, Dagon was prone on the floor and they get rid of the trophy as swiftly as they could. From one Philistine city to another, everywhere they took the ark, disease and calamity marked that place. They fashioned a rude cart 
drawn by oxen and made straight for the Judean hills and there it lay neglected in a state of desuetude for nearly 70 years. But brothers and sisters, the transport of the ark from its obscure place of storage to its new place of prestige and significance is an enormously important event in the life of King David. The coming of the ark signified a re-engagement with the taproot of Israel's religious vitality and with a forward thrust to David's royal legitimacy. However, the, mark, the, the ark must not be presumed upon. The ark must not be taken for granted. The ark must not be treated with familiarity. The holiness of God is indeed present in the ark, but the holiness of God, though present, is not readily available. To touch the ark is to impinge on God's holiness. To draw too close is to presume too much. Now hear me, beloved. In the Bible, there are what's known as precepts and principles. A precept is to be obeyed without deviation, followed to the letter without question. A principle is to be applied with wisdom. Let me see if I can make that make sense. If the speed limit is 55, it's not 62. That's a precept. And if you violate the law by going even 57 in a 55 mile zone, you have broken a precept. But a principle is something like a sign that says watch for children. That applies in a crowded neighborhood in a school zone, but not on a deserted highway. Uh, it's a principle that you use wisdom to navigate, but in a precept, you break it to your peril. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. The smallest breach in the feeling of awe and reverence will soon lead to more complete profanation. When people are no longer awed, respectful, and fearful of God's holiness, the community is put at risk. Can I make an application here? Marriage is a divine precept. And once the holiness of God is ignored, we tolerate same-sex union. Whenever the holiness of God is tolerated, we mix in queer studies with African-American history. 
Whenever God's holiness is ignored, queen, drag queen shows become necessary for children to watch because if nothing is wrong, everything is permissible. I wish I had help to preach it. You can't hardly watch a commercial on television without two men kissing or two women holding hands. It's a sin. It's a violation of God's holiness and it's time for the church to call it out for what it is. All unrighteousness. is a sin. I hear you. I hear you. You saying, well, what about adultery? That's a sin too. What about premarital sex? That's a sin too. Well, what about lying? That's a sin too. What about gossip? That's a sin too. No sin is any worse than any other sin. But we've got to call sin what it is. It is not a lifestyle preference. It's sin. And the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. I wish I had a Bible reader here. But sin is a reproach to any people. And when it comes to the church, if my people, which are called by my name. Have I got a witness? Will humble themselves and pray and seek their face and turn from their wicked way. Before we can judge the world, we got to get our own house in order. I don't, I don't like the song too much, but it applies right here. Sweep around your own front doors. before you try to sweep around mine. Um, the other song I like more than that is if you're living in a glass house, don't throw no stone. How can you see the moat that is in your brother's eye and you haven't considered the beam that is in your own eye? How can you see a splinter in somebody else's eye and you walking around with a two by four in your eye? All unrighteousness is sin. So now, what happens here in the text is to be given special attention. Because the ark has been recovered in the home of Abinadab. And Ahio and Uzzah have been conscripted to steer the ark back to its rightful place. They get to the threshing floor of Nacon and the oxen stumble and the ark is about to fall off the cart. Uzzah, who is steering the cart, puts his hand on it to keep it from falling. He's doing the right thing, but he's doing it 
the wrong way. What harm was there in others' action? The harm, brothers and sisters, was that he saw no difference between the ark and any other valuable article. His intention is to, to help was right, but there is a profound insensibility to the awful sacredness of the ark. It was what the Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren calls a criminal callousness of the sacred. Listen, to carry out God's business using worldly methods is a recipe for disaster. We should never try carrying the church on the new carts of worldly wisdom. Like other, we are often guilty of reaching out with our hands instead of reaching up with our hearts. We are guilty of trying to do spiritual work in the power of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, the Ark of the Covenant continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the same Ark that had been a disaster for the unworthy was now a source of unbroken blessing in the home of Obed-Edom. And when God killed Uzzah on the spot, the scripture says David becomes angry and for the first time in his life, the man after God's own heart is scared of God. I wish we could get back to the day when people were scared of God. I don't mean scared like you're scared of a snake or scared of, a, of getting in a hurricane. I'm, I'm talking about a holy reverence, a holy fear that when you come in God's presence, you put your head down. When you come in God's presence, you leave your resume at home. When you come in God's presence, you leave your self-importance in the car. When you come in the presence of the living God, you recognize what David wrote in Psalm number 24. Who shall ascend? I wish I had a Bible reader. Unto the hill of the Lord. Or who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Come on, you can say it with me. Who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, but he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. I want to talk to those of us who were raised in a Christian home where mothers and fathers or grandmothers or aunts or somebody in your family taught you how to reverence God. They taught you how to fear God. When, when it was lightning and thundering when I was a boy growing up, my grandmother would cover the mirrors and tell us to sit down and be quiet. God is speaking. I wish I had some help to preach it. If, if, if they put a plate of food in front of us, we had to bow our head and say, God is great. God is good. And we thank him for our food. 
By his hands we must be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. And before we knew how to pray, we had to get on our knees before we went to bed and repeat after them, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But you ought to be beyond those prayers now. You ought to be praying for yourself now. Have I got a witness here? You ought to be, you, you ought to stop repeating the prayers you heard other people pray. And there ought to be enough experience in your own life that you can say, Lord, here I am. One more time in your presence. Thanking you for your goodness. Thank you for food on my table. Thank you for helping me to raise my children. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for my health and strength. Thank you that I could have been dead. Thank you that my enemies didn't wake me up this morning. Thank you that you provided for me. When David, when David realized that a Gittite, when David realized that a pagan was being blessed because he had the Lord's Ark, when David decides to carry out God's business God's way, the mood and the intent of the celebration is now unfettered and unashamed extravagance. When David thinks about God delivered him from a lion and a bear. I need some help to preach here. When David thinks about that Goliath in the valley of Gath and God delivered him with a stone and a slingshot, when David remembers how his own son Absalom conspired with his first lieutenant Ahithophel to overthrow David for the kingdom and God kept him, David starts to reminisce. And brothers and sisters, the only way you can shout and praise God, you got to have a good memory. Some of y'all act like you forgot where God brought you from. But some of us in here remember when we didn't have good shoes to wear. I wish I had a witness. Some of us in here remember when the rain used to come in through the ceiling and our mama had to put blankets and rags in the cracks to keep the cold air out in the winter time. But God brought us from a mighty long way. And since God has kept us, don't act like you made it by yourself. Remember. I'm trying to quit here. But when David thought about it, his attitude changed. And I want to tell something sophisticated in here this morning. You better change your attitude. I, I wish I had somebody here who had a mother like my mother. My mother was said like this, you better fix your face. 
Anybody here raised like I was raised? And, and then they would follow it up with, I'm going to give you something to cry for. I wish I had two or three more witnesses. What they were saying is all God has done for you, all the doors God has opened for you, all the ways God has made for you, all the prayers God has answered for you, you mean to tell me you're going to come in God's face with an attitude? Lift up your head. Oh, ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. David got his mind right. David switched his attitude and thought about how good God was. And the Bible said he started dancing. I, I don't want to offend you Baptists in here this morning, but it ain't nothing wrong with dancing if you switch partners. If God has opened the door for you, you ought to move. You, you, you ought to tap your foot. You, you ought to wave your hand. You, you ought to move from side to side. Something ought to happen to you physically to let everybody know you've been with Jesus. I wish I had somebody to help me preach here. David lays aside the garments of sovereignty and the Bible says he dances with all his might. He danced so hard until he danced all out of his clothes. The clothes he's wearing is the clothes of sovereignty because David is Israel's king. But underneath the clothes of sovereignty is the clothes of a seeker because he has on a ceremonial ephod. You're going to help me close this, won't you? And when he dances all out of his clothes, he still has on his ephod because he's just twirling around and around, spinning all out of control because God has been good to him. David has stopped pouting and he starts shouting. David has given up music and has taken up dancing. David is now using a bodily expression of proper liturgical worship. He's giving God everything he has dancing with all his might some of y'all too proud to shout this morning some of y'all too reserved to give God praise this morning some of you got too many degrees to tell God thank you but I leave my sophistication 
for when I go to another place. I call that code switching. You're going to help me code switch a minute, won't you? When you're on your job, you talk one way. But when you get to church, you talk another way. When you're talking with your friends, you talk one way. But when you're talking with business associates, you talk another way. When you're talking with black folk, you talk one way. But when you talk with white folk, you talk another way. When you're talking on Monday, it's one conversation. But we here on Sunday morning right now, and there's a language on Sunday morning that's different from the language on Monday morning. I wish I had somebody here who can help me with some Sunday morning language. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's Sunday morning language. He brought me. He kept me. That's Sunday morning language. He's been good to me. That's Sunday morning language. Is there anybody here? No, God's made a way for you. Change your attitude and start giving God some praise. And when your attitude changes, your approach changes. How you get to God depends on your attitude. If you got clean hands and a pure heart, God will bless your life. Now I need somebody here who knows you've been blessed. You got more than you ever had before. You're doing better than you've ever done in your life. And you have it not because you deserve it. You have it not because you've been so good. You have it not because you've led a righteous life. But God's just been good to you. God's just made a way for you. The lines have just fallen in your life in pleasant places. And you have a goodly heritage. Come on, yes, let's use some Sunday morning language. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Oh, taste and see. That's Sunday morning language. If the Lord opened doors for you, let's use some Sunday morning language. It'll do something to your attitude. It'll do something to your approach. But then it'll do something to your actions. You don't care if nobody shouts. You came here to shout. You don't care if nobody lift their hand. You came to lift your hand. You don't care if nobody says thank you. You came here to say thank you. You don't care if nobody hollers. You woke up this morning with your mind. With your mind. With your mind. Stayed on Jesus. With your mind. Stayed on Jesus. He walks with me. He talks with me. Is there anybody here? Know you've been blessed. Is there anybody here? Know God kept you. He never left you. He's made a way for you. Use some Sunday morning language. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you. I know he's all smile again won't he put clapping in your hands running in your feet shouting in your soul if you're not too mean if you're not ashamed help me use some Sunday morning language thank you Jesus thank you Jesus if you feel like dancing if you feel like shouting if you feel like praising now is a good time this is a good place to tell god thank you for all you've done for me thank you 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 i know he's all right Excuse me a minute. Excuse me a minute. I know we got a whole lot to do this morning, but let me tell my testimony. You don't mind if I testify, do you? I should have been dead, sleeping in my grave, but here I am this morning, testifying. Can't nobody do me like Jesus? And then the doctor said, if he lives, you got to put him in a nursing home. He'll be a vegetable for the rest of his life. But here I am, clothed and in my right mind. He's able, he's able, he's able. If you know he's able and you don't mind testifying, why don't you look at somebody? Tell him he's able, he's able, he's able. Come on, use your Sunday voice. Come on, use your preaching voice. He's able, 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 able. I know he's all right. 